we're back. Yeah. <laughs> so this monastery, and I don't think you can go there anymore, uh, and I don't know why, but, uh, but I'll just say that observing these guys at the monastery, um, they don't do a whole lot, right? It's all internal soul-searching, step 10 stuff, if, we, if we're talking about 12 steps. Um, pray throughout the day, but they all had the same peaceful grin on their face, right? They were just content with life, and they don't do a whole lot. Um, pray, meditate, go inside. And now, I, I couldn't do that, right? I mean, um, but I can take what I saw there and what I learned there. Now, we, we got there on a Friday evening, and, and I was pretty early on in recovery, right? And it was like I was with these guys, these old-timers, and they were like, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk to each other or, or anybody. Uh, unless a monk wants to have a conversation with you, which they probably won't, unless it's the rebel Father David, right? Um, and we're going to have dinner um, Sunday afternoon-ish, and we'll kind of talk about our experience, okay? Um, and that was it. We each had our, our own little dorm, so you had like a little uh, twin bed in a haunted room at the monastery, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like your books and a notepad to write and reflect and... I remember in the first hour, two hours, I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's it's too boring. It's too mundane. It's too dull. And I thought I was like a seasoned uh, meditation guy at that point, right? And I totally wasn't. I mean, I, I hadn't practiced for, you know, more than a couple of years, um, maybe a year. And uh, so you get, but you get through the hump, right? You stick it out and... and so two days at the monastery, um, learning truly about what what meditation is and, and how it works and why it's valuable. Talking about going internal and, and finding peace. And, and so the thing about meditation, I think, sometimes is people expect to have a really, I'll say positive, depending on per your perspective, they want to feel great. Mm -hmm. Because out here in the West is like, I'm not going to do something unless I feel great. Yeah. Um, sometimes pain and struggle and maybe like learning something about yourself internally that's uncomfortable to me these days is great yeah i agree i'm i'm a i'm a pain guy for sure yeah is great and and so turning the sound off uh and and we, we can move on but turning the sound off in meditation uh, isn't the goal the goal is to just kind of observe the sound and not judge it not do anything with it just kind of let it be there uh, and observe it because everybody's got sound and noise and and the hamster wheel going yeah and it's like well I, when i try to meditate my head's too busy and it's like everybody's head's busy i think as you do it more and the more you practice it gets quieter yeah i yeah there's we just have so many external loud noises it's yeah. like perspective like People look at down here, their life sucks, and they look at the mountains like, oh, those are beautiful. And then you go up in the mountains, you look down at the place that's giving you the most pain, you're like, wow, that's beautiful. It's yeah, like, I can't wait to get back. Yeah. And <laughs> I think like, that's what, what when, we're in, when we're in Nepal, we were there for 17 days. And easily within five days, you're not worried about your phone. You're actually looking around, looking at the beauty building real relationships with the people around you because you don't just hop on Instagram or something else to get, see what everybody else's fake lives are doing. Yeah. And, uh, you really get to connect again. And I think that this quarantine 
has helped a lot of people see that either they they got reconnected with nature or they find that they don't like the situation they're in and they're forced to do something about it. It's been a great thing. A lot yeah. of pain. Losing yeah. jobs, all these things. You lost the job that you hated anyways. Right. Great time to go find something you yeah. love. You no, know? it's been cool, man. It's it's been so so like people in recovery, in my opinion, uh, are great for the quarantine, man. If they if they got an active program, that is, you know, because there's a lot of people that claim recovery that aren't in recovery, and they're miserable, yeah. you know, because they're not using and they're not in recovery. They're kind of in that middle place where life sucks and they feel shitty, and it's like because they're they're on the fence right yeah right in between their legs so i tell people you can't just stop doing drugs and expect your life to change you got to put in work yeah you gotta use that same amount of effort that you use to go get high and to get away from it yeah yeah every day so I, I like what you said about the quarantine it's like i started painting and i talked about this on the recovery strong podcast <laughs> but it's like i started watching bob ross videos right and and Alema and Jared were laughing at me because it's like you're not paint you're painting. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. But um, I gotta I gotta add new stuff to my life constantly. You know I gotta mm-hmm. change it up. I got to um, you know push myself and expand. And it's like I'm a I'm a terrible painter, but that's not the point. Um, you know the point is uh, taking action towards things that that could possibly improve your life. Yeah. That's what I, I'm the same. I think a lot of people go, you look at it, and I always say this, is, is you look at AA, and people go, and they need it every day, and that's their people, and that's all they have, and if that's not there, then they're drowning. It's like, for me, I feel like AA is preschool, and it's to give you life, it's to help you understand, to go out, kind of like a gas station, it gives you the gas, go out and live your life. And then people are like, how do you do so many things? I'm like, if I, if I do one thing, I'm going to overdo it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run it out because that's what addicts do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to get sick again. And I'm the same thing. I got it. That's like skydive, rock climb. Mine are more usually extreme things. I'm trying to slow down so I don't have a yeah. major breakdown on the body. But in general, it's right. I, I like to not be the best in the room. I used to love to be the best in the room, and now I hate it. Yeah. And I think part of that, and that's not even in the sense of literally being around better people, but just knowing that you know giving into my higher power listening to those uncomfortable things that i find out about myself that i need to either shut them up or make some change yeah and the changes uh can be magical and i think a lot of people the uncomfortable is why they did drugs in the first place and they and they don't like to to live there yeah it's important you know and that's that's uh to me that's that's a huge part of the foundation of recovery is is and that's what the 12 steps taught me showed me uh if you approach them in an honest open-minded and willing way right in a genuine way it's like okay i'm i'm gonna go at this disease of addiction uh, uh, with all i got and, and i'm gonna get uncomfortable and i'm gonna tell the truth and, I, and it's gonna be about the stuff that i don't want to talk about and it's gonna be about the stuff uh, that i think and it's gonna be about what i feel uh, even if people kind of raise their eyebrows when I say it, um, or it's embarrassing, or or it's uncomfortable, because those are the things that are holding me back. I think those are the things that are holding society back. Yeah. Is that one, a man talking about emotions isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Two, saying things that everybody's thinking in public aren't supposed to happen. It's like the sooner we do that, society's going to start healing. Yeah. 
you know? It's like, it's like yeah, the truth more people are messed up than they are perfect because there is no perfect. If we all just got real with our neighbors and they got real and everybody was allowed to, to be human, man, imagine what would happen. Yeah, it, it's why you have a conversation <laughs> with, with somebody and it's real and raw and honest. No matter what is said, you always leave that conversation like, I like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> what when somebody comes in and tells me all the great things they've done, I'm like, waiting for the come on give me some give me some dirt let me let me feel normal like i don't care what you've done i care what you want to do right but when we when we sit down guys like you and i and we start talking about our story and what we've been through and it's and it's not very pretty you know it's like i was i was dishonest i stole gas cans out of people's garages you know there was a point where like if your garage door was open my perspective in that moment of life was like that's my stuff (laughs) because you shouldn't have left your door open like shut your garage door uh, if it's open, I need some gas to get to Salt Lake to get heroin. You know, I don't have any money. I just need some gas to put in the car to get to Salt Lake. I don't even have a plan of how to pay for the dope. I'm just going to figure it out. Make it happen. You know, maybe I could trade a belt. Maybe <laughs> I could steal. Maybe my buddy, uh, who's a little better at, at uh, stealing and robbing people than me, will do it for me, you know. Just a total uh, leech on society. Yeah. You know, but that's where I was. It was at a point where, and that was that was on the tail end just right before treatment, right? It's, it's like um, we get to those places where, um, like, that's who we become. And we got to talk about it. Yeah. If we want to heal, and because if I own the worst stuff about myself, you know, I've hurt people. I've been dishonest. And it's not even in a shaming way. It's like, I want to get better. Yeah. And the guys and, and that, that brought me in and took me under their wing and treatment. And I believed them because they seemed like genuine guys. Like, if you want to get better, here's what you got to do. It's like, okay. You know? Yeah. I lived that one, man. When we were at the ranch and doing the fourth step, I kept one thing and I was sober for that. Like I felt amazing after the, my, my step, I did it with my bishop and all that, but I kept one take it to the grave thing and it haunted me my first year of sobriety. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to the, I'm bypassing the bishop. I'm going straight to the stake president so I can get excommunicated. That's an easy way out of the church. You know, all these things went in there and he's like, you feel better? I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just, it was just one of those things and, and flourished from there. And uh, to be able to go in and, and share something that I felt was so awful that he just threw his arms around me, hugged me and said he'd see me next week with zero judgment right it's that one of those conversations where it's like i love that guy yeah you know (laughs) first time i met him he's great you know and that's that's how society that's how we got to be as a people i think so i tell everybody needs recovery yeah it's nothing to do with drugs it's nothing to do with alcohol has to do with life and everybody's been traumatized everybody's done something wrong clean up your mess everybody's got stuff you know quit, and quit if, getting dirt on everybody else and if you're out there and you're carrying around stuff like you said that's haunting you and and stuff that's just replaying in your head like you don't have to live like that i mean you can get that stuff out now make sure you, it's a it's a person that you trust somebody that's safe yeah um not everybody can handle it not everybody can handle the stuff that you got but i promise you that there's people out there that can and and as soon as we start just getting it out and talking about it uh, the truth dies in the light right and 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 then we can start to heal and and it takes some bravery and it takes some courage for sure yeah um, i get that but the people that i see that get healthy and get well that truly start to recover 
uh, are the most fearless, the most brave, the most amazing people that I know in my life. And that includes people in recovery from addiction, and that includes people um, like my wife. Just and that includes deal. people that ha- haven't ever struggled with substance abuses, um, substance abuse that just kind of dive in and, and want to be a better person. Yeah. And they start to get raw, they start to get honest, and they start to change. Yeah. That's a good group of people to surround yourself with, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I needed it. You know, I, th- I think God just kind of, I think we all have moments in life where God's like, okay, hey, here's a chance. Here's an opportunity. You know, here's, here's an open window if you want to crawl through it, or here's an open door if you want to walk through it that I'm going to give you uh, to kind of catch it. Yeah. You know. Like I wasn't, when when I was in the hospital 2008, is 12 years ago, and, and um, two days prior I was going to end my life. I was, you know, and, and I had thought about it a lot. Um, just kind of, just kind of ran through the process in my head, what it's going to be like, uh, who's going to, who's, who's it going to affect, uh, how big of a deal is it going to be, right? Um, I know people can relate to that. But that day, two days before the hospital, there was like this adrenaline behind it, which was scary. It was like, okay, I might really do it. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about uh, this, this might be the time that I'm going to do it. And I was laying on this, this, this twin mattress in my mom's basement, you know, thank God for my mom that, that she had a spot for me at that time. Separated from my first wife, um, it, for good reason, by the way. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I had this moment that day where it was like, uh, it wasn't a voice that spoke to me or anything, right? But it was just this urge internally that was like, ask somebody for help. And I joke around with one of my friends, John Red, and, and others where it's like, why didn't we ever just ask for help? You know, because it would have been over. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's it, so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard, and, it, and it's something that, that I talk about a lot today is, is because if you if you just ask somebody for help that loves you, they're going to help you. And I don't know what that looks like beyond that, whether it's treatment or 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 a different community or, or there people are going to people want to help you. Yeah. You so know? I tell people if, if you if you express that you're struggling and that you need help and things like that. And your friend's idea of that is to feed you the poison that got you sick in the first place. They're not your friends. That's not your buddy. Yeah. You're going to need to like, if, if it's, let's just drink and we'll figure it out or let's go smoke a bowl. They're not your friends and they're just as sick as you are. Right. You need to bounce on that. So I'm going to switch gears for you. Yeah. All of that and dealing with men on a daily basis in the, at their rock bottoms, what are you doing? Tell me how many kids you got. Three. Three. All boys? Uh, two boys and a little girl. How does that change your perspective on how you're going to be raising them, how you raise them, what you do as an example, all of the things that you went through, see on a daily basis, and now get to go home and recreate the life and the understanding and the skills that you, I always do what I wish I would have had and developed. Mm-hmm. And So what does that look like for you? Uh, so I, I hope I have a couple things that I hope to pass on to my kids, you know, um, that have to do with, with my experience and my recovery. And, and it's a big deal. I want my kids to feel, um, safe and loved for whatever they're feeling, whatever they're doing, um, in the moment, you know, I want them to feel like they can be themselves. 
Uh, I want them to feel safe to express emotion and talk to us, you know, and they're pretty young, you know, my, uh, my, my two boys just turned eight and six, May 7th, May 8th, um, back to back birthdays. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then the little girls, uh, turns three in October. So they're pretty young. So parenting is a little different. Sometimes yeah. it's kind of crowd control, right? Yeah. And, uh, especially with the quarantine, it's, it's just, we're just trying to keep them alive <laughs> <laughs> or the vice versa. <laughs> right. No, but like, that's one thing that, that I hit at an early age is if it's a lifestyle, you don't have to teach anything. Yeah. People like wait. That. They're yeah. like, they're not old enough to know this. What? Right. Of course they're, they're smarter. They're more of a sponge at a younger age than they ever will be. Once they start getting their own opinion, like let them know and explain it to them. Me and my daughter have crazy conversation she's 11 and she's as educated as any one of my friends on life stuff like it, it's pretty rad yeah and a lot of people be like well she's too young she's gonna take her innocence and i don't think there's such a thing anymore you know she still plays with dolls she still laughs and giggles and right she just has an education on if you do this i don't tell her what to do if you do this this is what's gonna happen for sure and i don't want to hear i didn't know that's the one thing is I want to make damn sure my kid will never say, well, I didn't know because sure. I didn't know a lot of stuff. Right. No, I think my kids are growing up in a house where uh, there's open dialogue, open communication. Uh, there's not much that's off limits. And, and, and here's an example. They are getting little doses of, of uh, from my wife and I of, of just experience, right? Um, so they'll breathe. You know that 80% of the United States is oxygen deprived because they don't breathe deep enough? Yeah. 80%. I, so they teach us in, in martial arts. When people play in sports, they'll make noises. They're like the tennis players or the boxers or whatever. They're breathing out because naturally we'll breathe back in. Yes. But when you're nervous, you hold on to that short, shallow breath. Exactly. 80%, man. That blew me away when I read that. Yeah. Um, when, when, when I'm studying and so what my kids will do sometimes is, is just take deep breaths on their own without us telling them hey you need to take a couple deep breaths now they just kind of breathe deep for a minute so cool and chill out yeah. and, and one time like that. the six year old and this was a couple of years ago he was probably four right and it was bedtime and sometimes bedtime can get a little crazy right like go to sleep go to sleep it's like um, but I turned around and Logan was sitting in the doorway legs crossed uh, <laughs> meditating in the door, right? So cool. And it, so it's stuff like that, that that I think gets passed on um, with my kids. That you know, if uh, now this is not a, a knock at my parents because I love my parents. Yeah, they did amazing. They were great parents, but like we didn't learn, we didn't know about meditation. We and I, I think they didn't know. They grew up in a t like that age group. Their parents tough, for sure. Yeah, it's tough. Very, so again, it's just a culture thing, right? It's a, it's a, yeah. They just didn't know. Yeah, I think, and I think we do know now, and by not doing it is the fail. Yeah, you know, you teach little babies once they can speak back and forth to breathe deep, to sit quietly and and explain and understand what they're feeling and things like that. Lead by example. They see daddy doing it. A lot of people, a lot of parents are do as I say, not as I do. That don't work. No. At all. No. You know, edge or uh, fitness, working out, things like that. 
Like if your kid sees you doing it, they're going to want to do it. And then if they do it from a young age, it's not a chore when the time comes. They're like, what, run? No, I don't want to do that. So all that eating right, nutrition, breathing right, all those. Yeah. I love that, man. It does get passed on. And, and things like telling the truth. Like we celebrate that in our house. It, it's not a scary thing. If, yeah. if they make a mistake or they do something wrong or they break a glass or they, um, or they mess up something in the yard, right? Or it's like, tell the truth. And then we celebrate that. Like, good job. Like, you're not in trouble. Yeah. You, you're not going to. You're not going to uh, have severe dire consequences. Like, thank you for telling us the truth. That's a big deal. It's hard to tell the truth. Yeah. It's hard to feel vulnerable and, and embarrassed that you did something wrong. Wrong, right? In quotations. Like, it's hard to uh, be transparent with people. It's like, man, I messed up. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Because everybody messes up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I just That just sparked a, a thought of if we compiled all of our wrongs throughout our life and it was sitting like in a clear glass jar oh you wouldn't say shit to your kid <laughs> no dude. Oh. no like way a perfect opportunity for them to be real and honest and then to tell them why it's wrong or how it's wrong but not scream and yell at them yeah so i think a lot of us and a lot of parents are getting uh stir crazy i know how it is i was uh, i was stay-at-home dad for a while mm. and uh when you talk baby talk for eight hours a day mm. i'd be sitting there by myself in my own time watching phineas and ferb i didn't even know it's just a good so, show i was just so <laughs> used to it and people like what are you doing and i'm like dude this guy just built a rocket like, yeah you don't watch cartoons like what the Come you're on, right expand yeah. your mind so that you, you gotta you gotta <laughs> find that time start going crazy yeah definitely so what's your life like now The ranch and recovery and marriage and like, oh, do you think you'd have all of these things? Like, it's crazy how the time goes by. When I got out of the ranch, I was like, if I could just keep a job, I'll be so happy. Yeah. If I could make $25,000, I will be set. Set. And all these things. And now yeah. I'm just, I don't even remember those times. It's, it's barely. It's, I got to remind myself so I don't get, like, it's hard to yeah, stay back. Yeah, stay patient, stay back, be grateful. Yeah. Right. Um, so my life today is, is uh, I got to be consistent with my dailies. And when I talk about dailies, I'm talking about for each person, I hope there's things that you're passionate about that mean a lot to you that, that give you purpose in life. So for me, uh, it's going to be different than it is for you, than it is for the other guy or girl. Um, but you got to find some things that you're going to do that are, we can call them non-negotiables, right? Non-negotiables. So, um, I got to stay consistent with my dailies for me. That's, I got to get on my knees and pray. Um, I have to meditate every day. Um, I have to get the blood going in some way for me. That's like, I could walk 18 holes of golf. I could walk nine holes of golf. I could <laughs> plank. I could do some stretching. Um, I got messed up knees and shoulders my joints are at some point going to need to be worked on, but that's something that I'm just kind of putting off. Right. Yeah. Um, play some basketball, shoot around with the kids, um, go to my home group, you know, uh, talk to my friends, show up for work, um, non-negotiables. So stuff that you find that you're passionate about, listen to podcasts, read books for me. Um, again, like I'm always constantly searching for the internal. So, 
I want to read new stuff. I want to listen to new stuff. Um, I want to be educated and then apply them into my life in some way. Um, but the way that my life is right now, it's like I didn't do it. You know, I did. I, I took action and, and met God halfway. Um, he opened all the doors, right? It's like I gotta get. I gotta get to work, and do things um, aligned with God's will. This is all twelve step stuff. So I'm a big twelve step guy. I think the twelve steps for me, just my opinion, uh, an amazing blueprint that changed, saved my life, uh, and on a daily basis teaches me about life. Um, so I'm gonna be doing some step work every day, taking an inventory, making amends if I need to. Um, connecting with God, helping other people, prayer meditation. I mean, it's a pretty simple blueprint. Um, Explain inventory to the people that have no clue what that is that they can do on a daily. Yeah, so inventory is a a daily practice. So continue to take personal inventory. This is step 10. And when we were wrong, which is key, promptly admitted it. So we're not hanging on to uh, mistakes that we've made, people that we've offended, things that we said, which I do, I offend people. Uh, we all do. Um, so continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Um, that's a daily practice, right? So, um, and it's and it's a good way to kind of clear the wreckage of the day. Just kind of an ongoing. It's not a journal entry. You know, today I went to lunch at Zupa's with my friend Steve, and then we had a good time, and then, you yeah. know, and then I drove down to work, and I had a good day at work. That's not a personal <laughs> inventory. <laughs> personal inventory is like today I was angry. And I'm not sure why. Uh, today I was selfish. Um, today I was greedy. Uh, today I was a little bit apathetic. Um, today I offended my wife, and I need to apologize. I um, still print off that uh, prompt sheet and give it out to all my people. Like, if you need to write in your journal, write about this, the character defects list. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, man. And a lot of people look at it, and they'll be like, that's pretty negative. That's, that's like, kind of shaming, right? Like, why do you want to think about yourself all the time like that? Um, and to me, it's like it frees me. Yeah. If I can own the worst stuff, again, if I can own the hardest, worst, most embarrassing stuff about myself on a daily basis, I can work on it. You know, you write an inventory and three days in a row, it says the same thing. It's like, today I was angry. And the next day, it's like, you, you read it. It's like, I was angry today. And the next day, it's like, I was angry today. I got some good stuff to talk to a sponsor about or my friend, somebody like you, somebody that I can call and be like, Hey, like I've been angry for like five days in a row. And then I need help to kind of walk through that and process like what's going on, you know? Yeah. Then I got a shot. If I don't, if, if just for me personally, if I don't practice that in my life, then my life is, is overrun with ego. I'm running on self will. I'm running on like Brian knows best and I'm going to just sort this out and figure it out without the help of other people. Um, I'm going to get twisted up pretty quick. Um, Even if I don't relapse or use again, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be agitated. I'm going to be resentful. Yeah. You know, so I think people, the daily, it seems like a pain to some people, but it's so much easier it's like if you let your room pile up after a week, it's, it takes a couple hours to clean it. Yeah. If I do it daily, it's like one sock. Boom. Done. Right. And we get so far down the rabbit hole, you're angry like you were saying that. That's funny because 
I'm sitting in there doing my step one or I got through that. And when we'd write our bricks, the room and I specifically remember Kyle Jackson, he's like, dude, when are you going to deal with your anger? And I'm like, I'm not angry. And I left the class and I went back and I'm looking through my book. And for the first 18 days I'd written about anger and I didn't even know. Yeah. And if I hadn't have seen it in my own handwriting, I never would have even looked at that. Yeah. And if you didn't have, you know, Kyle and, and other guys that cared about you enough to be like, dude, you're an angry guy. Yeah. You're like, I'm not angry. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. And that was a huge eye opener yeah. for me. Yeah. For me too. You know, and there's, there's tons of places that, that are great that, that can show people, right? Like I'm a big believer in like, I need a tribe. Uh, and I'm not talking like I take advice from anybody and everybody, you know, cause there's a lot of bad advice out there. Yeah. Uh, even in Alcoholics Anonymous, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, half, if not more, of the advice you get in rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous is terrible, in my opinion. Yeah. But there's going to be a tribe of, of um, you know, a handful of men, women, um, that are going to be your tribe. So you got to find people that you trust that you can go to to help you walk through life. Man, we all, we all need a tribe to help us walk through life. Yeah, I think that's a, that inner circle is important. I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, it's better to be by yourself than with the wrong people. Far less damage to deal with. But you get around these people making bad decisions, giving you bad advice. It's a lot of cleaning up to do there. Yeah. Especially in recovery where you get out and you're vulnerable and you start listening to different things and, and uh, it's hard to decipher. Yeah, and there's so many opinions and yeah. about everything, you know. Like I... I uh, I love therapy, you know. Uh, I need a good therapist. I need friends that have the courage uh, to tell me when I'm wrong or tell me when I'm off or tell me why my perspective is a little bit crazy. Um, Those are my best friends because they care enough about me not to just say, you know what, and just kind of, you know, justify my my BS. Yeah. Because sure there's tons of friends like that, right? It's yeah. just like, you know what? They were in the wrong, and you have a right to feel that way, and you don't need them. It's like, no, 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 no. I get twisted up, and I know that about myself, and my perspective can shift and become negative and unhealthy. I need people to stop me, to pause me, and say, hey, Bri, like, have you ever looked at it this way? Have you ever looked at it from their perspective? And it's like, huh. And hopefully I'm humble enough and open-minded enough to listen to somebody else. They might know a better way to live. Yeah. Like I think we live in a society today where it's like everybody feels like they got to be right. Everybody feels like they got to have the answer. Yeah. Be the influencer on social media. Yeah. Or be the one that has all the answers. Get the most likes. Definitely. Like be the one. Be the voice. Like, I don't want to be the one or the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of weight to bear for sure. Awesome. So if you have a message, what would it be to, I wanted you to give a couple, the person who's still actively in their addiction, then to the person who is in recovery and looking for the next step, and then maybe the fresh into recovery or not a uh, new parent. Uh to the one in active addiction, I, I, if, if you want to change, you can. Um, the first thing that I would do is, is find that spark of courage and start talking. You can talk to uh, spouse, parents, friend, um, mentor, 
whomever, just start talking about it. Get it out of yourself. Uh, expose the lies. Expose the secret. Um, once it's out of your head and your heart and it's out into the open and somebody else hears it, um, balls will start rolling for you. Just start talking about it. And I know that's hard. You know, it took me a decade to do that. Yeah. To just finally admit, like, I got a problem. I need help. But as soon as you can do that, I believe me, trust me, as soon as you can do that, things can start to change for you. Um, to the person that, uh, you say, is, is newly in recovery? Yeah. Um, like looking for that next step. We've been talking a lot about getting to the next level, following meditation, all those things. I remember I wasn't about to do any of that stuff for couple of years yeah right just white knuckling and trying to find my way in all of this and and if i just would have shut up and taken a little advice i could have been a lot further yeah further ahead here's what i've seen and experienced is is um as addicts okay as people that crave instant results um we want to try something new we want an immediate effect uh and then we attach like, oh, that works or it doesn't work to it. And if we feel like we did it one time, right? Oh, that didn't work. We're going to we're gonna put that in the bank of things that don't work and move on to something else. So I think what I would say is be consistent with dailies. I'm talking about like one, two, or three things that you do every day, non-negotiable, no matter what, and do it for 30 days and build on that. You can always add to that. But once you've established a foundation that works for you, um, you can always add to it. Um, you know, kind of firing off at random different things over and over and attaching like that works, that didn't work, that book, you know, uh, that song, uh, yeah. that quote that I read on social media. Oh, that feels good for five seconds and then it goes away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that meeting, that was that was great. Um, or it's like do the same things, just one, two, or three things. Even if it's for five minutes each thing every day. Like do five push-ups every day for 30 days and build on that. You can build on consistency. You can't build on fractured, just kind of sporadic, random behavior. It makes you crazier. Yeah. It's like because none of it works. I've tried it all. It's like, no, you haven't. You haven't tried it all. Yeah. You know? Doing something once and putting it away on the shelf isn't trying it. Yeah, and it doesn't work and you didn't work at it are two different things. Right. How much effort did you actually put into whatever the person suggested? Yeah. Like do it for 30 days, see what happens. Yeah. And then if you, you kind of get to that point, like you're, that point where you're talking about um, what's the next thing, it's like God will let you know. Life, the universe, whatever you want to call it, it will let you know. Yeah. You know, it'll come to you. Like for me right now, um, so I was disfellowshipped from the church, right? Um, I think I was about a year sober, 2009, um, where I went. I just felt like it was part of my recovery. It wasn't It wasn't to get back in the church at that time. It was just to square up with the church and God. Like here's what I've done. Okay, disfellowshipped, right? Which I think is a terrible term. I think it should be called more fellowship. Okay, <laughs> here's, what, here's what you've done. Yeah. We're going to disfellowship. It's like, no, we're going to more fellowship you. <laughs> you know, we're not going to dis, we're not going to take away the, anyway. Um, so that's a process like, like today for me, the church is back. It's a part of my life. Like I teach primary, you know, 
teach eight-year-old kids. That's awesome. And by teach, I mean I sit in a room with them and, and like, just talk to them, right? And just be their friend, be their advocate. Uh, sit with them and laugh with them, love on them, tell them that they're amazing, because they are. They're amazing, you know? Yeah. What I, what I teach isn't as important as how I try to help them feel. Yeah. Like, feel yeah, of, feel of worth. Feel like they're doing something positive, right? Um, and I say that because consistency in a routine has led me, um, and it's it's kind of a dual partnership with my higher power, right? And with other people, it's like it's led me to open open doors that I've walked through. Um, I believe that's how I met my wife, who I love with all my heart. I believe that's how I parent. That's how I work at, at the ranch. Um, that's how I live uh, in church is like I'm active you know I, when I met my wife uh, and this isn't a pat on my back at all zero percent it's just to, sh- to share where my life's at is like she got baptized on March 28th into the church right and my wife <laughs> that was like just never in the cards and it was never something that I expected or asked of her or or part of our relationship like hey at some point like you got to get dunked or else we're not, we're, <laughs> we're like, we're not going to work, you know? And, yeah. and it, it never was. Um, but I, th- I think if you're consistent with your routine in your dailies and, and she is too, um, in the positive, then life just kind of keeps opening doors. Maybe you, it introduces you to somebody that you need to be introduced to, or, um, you're providing an opportunity that you can say yes to. Um, I think if we're living in the positive space and it's and it's all good energy and the universe kind of reacts to that, surrounds us with people, places and things that are going to help us. Um, but it's but you got to be consistent with your dailies for a while. And that's tough for addicts because we're not very patient. Yeah, dude. That Yeah. Boredom. When, when you live in the eye of the storm for a decade, it's hard to just sit still. Be and patient. That, that's the biggest. I think that's huge because the payoff isn't immediate yeah you know like you use drugs there's an immediate payoff you know you do you start working out from scratch there are some immediate payoffs but the payoffs 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 are going to come down the road so if people come to me in in uh march and be like i've got a cruise in june and i want a bikini body like you should have started last june <laughs> like it's a yeah. 12 month process you got a one piece body by june yeah. maybe <laughs> You got to stay in your room. <laughs> Get you into that one piece yeah. for the cruise. Yeah, man. I think it's the same thing. Your your physical, your spiritual, and your emotional are, uh, need to be a constant work in progress. Yeah. There's a lot of time in a day. you know. And yeah. I'm not sitting here saying that, that throughout one day in my life, I'm constantly like like grinding and taking action. and But, but I am consistent with the dailies, right? The non-negotiables. It doesn't yeah. take a lot of time. Yeah, that's another thing is is huge, and not just for addicts, but in general, is people budgeting their time. Yeah, if it's important, people always find time to do it, and the things that are more uh, beneficial to their life that may not be as exciting are get get left in the get left in the back closet, and they wonder why they're sad in a few weeks or months or in a bad way. I yeah, think that's the consistency. I hear a lot like that doesn't work. That doesn't work for me. That didn't work for me. It's like, well, how much did you do it? It's like, well, I did it for, I did it that day, that one day. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's like meditation, working out, 
playing a sport, trying a new hobby. Like you just pick up the violin. It's like I tried to play the violin. It's like, yeah. Like well. <laughs> so I hear all the time, fit, working out just isn't my thing. It's like it, it, it's not a thing. Your body needs it. It's like having a car and not putting gas in it. Like that doesn't make much sense. You yeah. you got to live in that vessel. You should probably take care of it. Yeah, it's, it's hard, Rob. Yeah, it's like recovery should be hard. Yeah, we get penalized at my gym if you say can't or try or like I don't even. It's a different language. I don't understand that. So we try and. Yeah. You're the man for that stuff. Change that mindset. Yeah. And and you hear that a lot. And I hear that in treatment because we're working with guys in in, from day one to day 60 in early recovery, right? It's like you can do hard things, you know. You can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah, And there's the most amazing gifts at the end of that. Whether you succeed or fail, there's a you get you get rewarded. And that's that's I love that's what I love about it. Yep. Amazing. So now the young parents, what you got for them? Young parents? Yeah. Like me? Yeah. You, you mean parents? You're young buck. Parents with young kids? Because I'm not young. <laughs> hey, don't don't kill my- You're uh, talking about the 24-year-old parents or- <laughs> Man, they shouldn't be, that should be illegal. Oh. Like anybody in their 20s with kids should be illegal. Um, not equipped, but- but young parent recovery People. recovery parenting little kids little kids yeah. like, so it always comes back to the simplicity of your recovery program if i'm not consistent with a recovery program my perspective my attitude the way that i treat my kids is going to be uh rough if i am consistent and i'm taking uh, daily action towards improving my uh, mental health, my well-being. Uh, I'm going to be a pretty good parent. It all comes back to what I'm doing, man. You know, my perspective, my attitude, how I feel about the day, how I'm feeling about life. Um, some days I do pretty good with that. Some days I don't. And so my advice to young parents is like, find your routine again. Like, be consistent with it. Um, trust and have faith that there is some sort of power greater than you that's going to help you out if you take action and meet that power halfway your perspective your attitude the way that you look at life because it's all a matter of perspective right Um, one of my mentors always like a a sponsor i call him about the same stuff all the time right (laughs) 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 and my perspective is always like pretty positive So what I'm saying is like the situation I'm talking about is typically the same. I'm stressed out. I'm frustrated. It's my kids, my kids, the job. And, and And the feedback's always like, your job doesn't really change, dude. Your kids don't really change, dude. You change a lot, dude. Yeah. Depending on your level of action and how you're taking care of yourself. Like your perspective changes a lot. Your kids are the same. They don't change a whole lot. They're funny. They have lots of energy. They're smart. They're beautiful. They're happy. Um, you can either embrace that, and and if you're in a healthy place, you're gonna see that. Yeah. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're in an unhealthy place, it's gonna bug the shit out of you. Yeah. And it's all you, dude. I like that. Same thing with your wife. Same thing with your job. Like, oh, my job, job. It's like what your dream job. 
your dream yeah. job, your fake job, you know, that's not even a real job. Like you, what you get paid to go hang out with guys and help them out. Yeah. And laugh and be with them. You know, like that's, you're going to call me and complain about all the stuff you prayed to have. Like you can't call people and complain about the stuff that you always prayed to have. That's against yeah, the rules. I like that. <laughs> you know? I like that. Yeah, that's good. Because now, guess what? You got it. Yeah. By staying cons- sober and being consistent and being in recovery. So I got to keep my perspective on point, work a program, right? I like that. Well, dude, it's been amazing having you on here. How do people find it's you? It's been fun. Jeez. Uh, uh, call me? What? <laughs> Yeah, if you have, you mean, like, if they want to reach out to you, if get in recovery, anything like that. I don't know if you have a personal deal or if you, the ranch has something that you want to put out for people to find. Gotcha. So, uh, Brian with a Y at renaissanceranch.com is my email. Um, you can find me on the social medias. I'm doing, I'm doing the social media stuff for Renaissance. So, Instagram, Facebook, personal or Renaissance Ranch. Um, message me, talk to me, get after me. Be happy to, to help out how I can. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, it's been good. I'm glad that I had you on here. Yeah, it's all love, Rob. Again, love you, man. I'm Rob Eastman. You can find me at Coach Eastman 8 on Instagram. You can go to my website, www.tattooedlifecoach.com, or as most of you know, Eastman Fitness and Wellness. Again, I want to thank my sponsors in case we don't get the first half of this recovered. Uh, Plates and Pallets, check them out in Bountiful. They're amazing people, amazing food. To have a healthy mind, you got to have a healthy body. Love you guys. Hope you get something out of this. Please share with friends and family who might need to hear this message. Again, Coach Eastman. Thanks, guys.